This is the day the Lord has made, and you're going to do what? Amen. Amen. Well, we are on part four of our five-part study in David and Goliath. And uh, you're probably getting tired of old David and Goliath by now, but uh, part four. Would you please take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse 41. We'll read from 41 through 49 this morning. 1 Samuel 17, 41 through 49. Then the Philistine came and approached David with a shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come out to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the, stone, and the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Let us pray. Father, you are the, the victor in, over the giants in our lives. Lord, when we stand in you, Lord, we, we stand on solid and holy ground. We thank you, Father, that, uh, that we have the assurance that you're always with us. You're never going to leave us. You're never going to forsake us. And, uh, Lord, when we draw near to whatever battle is in our lives, Father, that, uh, that you draw near with us. And Father, we thank you that there is a God not only in Israel, Lord, there is a God with this church. Now, Lord, as we look at this lesson today, Lord, may you give us hearts and minds to understand and to apply its truths. In Christ's name, amen. So we look at a passage of Scripture that has been taught and preached and commented on in perhaps, probably, every church Every Sunday school in America, I, I can't think of anybody that has not taught this lesson. I'm sure it's been taught here, the battle between or the fight between David and Goliath. David, a shepherd, youthful, perhaps of average height for the time and day that was, agile, fearless, brave, 
And then we have this guy named Goliath, a warrior, braggadocious, of enormous stature, nine foot, nine inches, 500, maybe 600 pounds. Who knows how much this guy weighs, but a big dude. And then there's another guy by the name of King Saul. You know, King Saul was not a small guy. He was probably six foot something. They say that King Saul was, was head and shoulders taller than anybody else in, his, in Israel. So he's a big guy himself. But by this time, by this time of this, this battle between David and Goliath, Saul, King Saul had been stripped of his anointing and therefore was forsaken by God, rejected by God. And you'll find this, by the way, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 14, that God had rejected him. He now faces a, a major crisis in his life. But Saul has been challenged for 40 days. He and his army have been challenged by Goliath for 40 days. Almost six weeks have gone by. And every day, this giant would come out and taunt the armies of God. The armies of Israel. And Saul has been looking for 40 days. He's been looking for a warrior in his own army, in his own ranks, who would, who would accept this challenge from Goliath to go out and meet him in the battlefield. However, as we learned in last week's message, a, a young shepherd by the name of David was willing to take on the challenge of Goliath. This then leads us to today's text. So we have this background that leads us to, the, to today's text. And in order for us to make this study applicable for us today, because that's what we want to do. We want to say, well, I just want to learn about David and Goliath. Uh, how do I apply this to my life? Are you planning to go out and fight against a nine-foot-nine-inch giant today? Now, I'm sure that yesterday Missouri could have used them on the team. But we didn't have Goliath yesterday. But there are some things that we need to learn from this that we can apply to our life today. First of all, first of all, David was aware of his own personal ability. Are you aware of your ability? Do you know what you can do or you cannot do? Or do we sometimes daydream and think that we can do everything? There are times when I will listen to music in my car and, and listen to some guy. And, you know, and man, sometimes I feel like Andre Bocelli. But I probably sound more like a neighing horse. We can imagine all kinds of things. But do you know of your own personal ability? I, want to look, I would like for us to look at, at, uh, at, at David in, in, the, in the following context. First of all, let's look at verses 34 and 35. Uh, go, go back uh, uh, earlier in the chapter, verses 34 and 35. We, we, we read there, it says, but David said to Saul, you know, when Saul was looking for a warrior and David shows up and he says, man, you're just a kid. Listen to what David says. Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. This ability of David, this skill, was based upon his willingness to use the God-given gift that he had. And folks, I want to ask you this. 
What, what, is your, what is your God-given gift? What can you do best? And if you have a God-given gift and you know that you are skilled at it, now let me ask you this. I'm not saying, are you just using it at home? Are you using it at work? I'm asking you this. Are you using it in the kingdom of God? Or is this a gift that you have and you simply just think about it and say, yes, I've got the gift, but I'm not going to let the church use it because, uh, you know, i got other things to do. i got bigger fish to fry. What is your specific God-given gift that you can do that this church needs? So David, let's, let's follow him and say, what was David best at? He was a skilled shepherd. What does that mean? Well, you know, most churches aren't looking for skilled shepherds, are we? But in fact, we are. A church needs a skilled shepherd. That is, a shepherd has the ability to take care of the sheep that are under his charge. Do you have responsibility for anybody in this church? Do you teach a class? Do you teach adults? Do you teach children? Are you a volunteer in some capacity in this church where there are people that you have to work with in this church that come under your leadership or your supervision? Are you skilled at what you do? Or are you one of these people who say, well, you know, when it comes to nominating committee time, you know what the nominating committee does when they can't find anybody? There's nobody that wants to do the job. So you know what the nominating committee thinks? We got to put somebody in there I want to tell you something. Nobody is better than just somebody. I'd rather have nobody than someone who doesn't want to do the job. Someone who's not prepared to do the job. Someone says, well, I guess put my name in there, but I ain't going to do anything. Why? Why why waste your time? Why waste other people's time? Listen, what are you skilled at? What can you do in the kingdom of God? Not just for a Hazelwood church, but what can you do for the kingdom of God that you would give your time and your energy and your talent to? Say, I can help. When a lion or a bear came after one of David's sheep, David says, these are not just my sheep. Listen, very, listen with spiritual ears. David's thinking, these are not my sheep. These are my father's, my father's sheep. You are your father's sheep. When a predator comes after you, Listen, there is a shepherd watching over you. I want Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
And he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. When we hear of people say, well... I willed to get in the kingdom of God and I'm going to will myself out. Good luck with that. I want to tell you something. The reason you are in the kingdom of God is because while you are running from God, that a holy God and a sovereign God and a God of providence pursued you, overran you and he came to you with the with a gospel of Jesus Christ and you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God regenerated that sour old stale heart of ours he listen he regenerated us and we came to put our trust into Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior only because the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached to us when we ran from him that God, listen, God brought us in, and God will never, never, never take us out. You know why? Because he says, nobody, nothing, no power, no height, nor depth, and the things present, nor things, nothing is going to separate me, separate you from his love. That you are held in the hands of Jesus Christ. And listen, not only are you held in the hands of Jesus Christ, but you're held in the hands of the Father. You belong to him eternally. Don't say, well, if I sin and don't repent. Listen, if you sin, I want to tell you something. Do you know something? That when you sin, that that sin that you will sin has already been paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. He bore your sin on the cross. He is your shepherd. So, friends, David was a shepherd, and Jesus is the shepherd. Letter B, under point number one. Where had God placed David? Where did God place David? God placed him in the middle of a battlefield. David approached King Saul for service. Do you know something? God says, David, I'm going to put you in the middle of a battlefield. I'm going to put you in front of the king that I rejected. I'm going to put you in front of the armies of, of the living God. Listen, I'm going to put you in front of the armies of God, and your brother is going to be jealous of you. But I'm putting you exactly where I want you to be. Most of us don't want to face anybody that's jealous of us. We don't want to face somebody that God has rejected. We don't want to face any giant, but God may have just put us right there for that moment in time. You are exactly where God wants you to be. Oh, but I don't like it. It's not, it's not comfortable for me. It's inconvenient for me. I want something better. I want something else. Listen, you are exactly where God wants you to be. Right in the middle of a battlefield. This is where God intended for David to serve. This is where God would take him from being a shepherd of a few sheep to him being the leader of a multitude of people. However, before that can happen, before David could be a leader, before any of us could ever be a leader, let me tell you something, before anybody could be a leader, there's just one small problem that sometimes we need to face. There was one small problem that David, one small insignificant problem David needed, had, had to face, and that's a nine foot nine inch giant. David, 
There's your, there's your problem, David. Would you take care of this problem? And after you take care of this problem, people are going to say to you, listen, Saul may have killed his thousands, but David, you've killed your tens of thousands. But David, before you become a leader, show them what you can do. Show them, show them what you can do. Take care of this small problem in front of you, David. Take care of this giant. This leads us then to letter C. How could David use his ability where God had placed him? How is David going to do that? So the answer is simple. David said in a manner of speaking, Here am I, send me. I'll go. Put me in, coach. I'm the guy you're looking for, Saul. It's me. Folks, do you see what David did? He made himself, listen, he made himself, he made himself available. Made himself available. So I want to take these ABCs that we looked at, those three things, and I want them, I want us to look at them as they apply to us. Three questions concerning ourselves. A, what am I best at? B, where has God placed me or where has God placed you or us? And see, how can we best use our ability where God has placed us? So, letter A. What am I best at? What are you best at? If David was a shepherd and Jesus is the shepherd, the question remains is this. Who are you and I and what do we do? David's a shepherd. Jesus the shepherd. But what, who and what are we and what are we supposed to be doing? The Bible tells us, listen, that we are, you and I, we are the bride of Christ. We are the household of faith. We are God's saints. We are the body of Christ. And folks, listen, this is what we are. That is what we are. We are, listen, we are in Christ. We are his church. We are his redeemed people. He's, listen, we are the people that God has chosen for himself. We are the new army of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. But what are we supposed to be doing? What do we do? We show up once a week to church. That's not enough. What if we had a military and all that they need to do is show up for one, one hour once a week? You think we'd win anything? You think we'd have a strong military if they showed up for an hour every 168 hours of the week? When you're in a military, some of you men, some of you maybe some women were in the military, you, you, know, you know what the hours of the military are? 24-7, 365. Those are your hours. You don't get paid by the hour. You get paid for the time you serve. Because every hour, you, every, in every hour, you're in a military. Every second, of, if you're in a military, you belong to the to your uncle. He can call you anytime. Do you feel that way about Jesus Christ? When you're, when you're in the body of Christ, how much of your time belongs to God? How much of that time is God's time? All of it. All of it. We still need to ask, what do we do? We are all, we are all called in some way to do the work 
of service. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, he says, and he gave some as pastors and teachers for the work of service. And then listen to the last part of that verse. He says, to, to the building up of the body of Christ. That we work together to build up the body of Christ. He didn't say build up Hazelwood Baptist Church. He said, build up the body of Christ, that we are, we have the job of building up the church of Jesus Christ, whether that church be here, whether it be 10,000 miles away, our job is to build up the kingdom of God, not build up Hazelwood Baptist Church, build up the kingdom of God, let God take care of HBC, take care of the kingdom, do kingdom work. Invest some time in some way, some fashion in doing kingdom work. Have, have you given thought as to uh, that, that God has chosen you to be a disciple in the year 2023? Right now, right now you are, you are, God's, you are God's disciple for 2023. So this leads us to the second question. What am, I, what am I good? What are you good at? What are we good at? God has chosen us, you and I, to be his disciples in this day and age. He didn't have Peter, he didn't have Paul, and he didn't have John to be around in this generation. He didn't want them to be here in 2023. He wanted you and me to be here in 2023. He has chosen you and I to be his ambassadors in this year. That's what we do. We are to be his ambassadors. We are to look, act, talk like we're Christ's ambassadors. That we stand up for Jesus. That that's who we are. That we're not ashamed of being a Christian. That we're not ashamed of saying, yes, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of telling people there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. You should never be ashamed of that. It's not about you belonging to HBC. You belong to the body of Jesus Christ. And yet we have many who seek to be in a setting. Oh, I want to go to a place where there's convenience and comfort and careless attention given to Christian service. I just want to go someplace. Oh, and I've heard this. Preacher, I'm going to go someplace where I can be there and, and just kind of ooze in and ooze out. You know, sneak in and sneak out. You know, I want, I want complete anonymity. Just, I don't want people to know who I am. Just. Convenience, comfort, and careless attention to Christian service. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a special... Listen, each one, each one has received a special gift. Each one of you have received a special gift. Employ it. Peter says, employ it means work at it, and to employ means you're going to work. Work, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That's what we do. That's our job. How can I get you? How can I get you? How can you get your brother or your sister? How can your brother and sister get their friend or neighbor? How can we get them 
to get active in Christian ministry where we build up the body of Jesus Christ. It's not about just this church. It's about Jesus. Jesus talks about making disciples, doesn't he? A person doesn't go about making disciples just by thinking that that's what we are. It's not about just our teaching scripture. It's more than that. It's also about our attitude, our concern, our service, and care for others who are in God's sheepfold. What, what are we doing to, to enable our brother and sister to be built up, matured, become stronger in the faith? It's not, just, it's not just evangelizing, as wonderful as that is. Yes, that needs to be done, but it's more than that. It's taking that person that, that comes here and says, I'm a brand new Christian, taking that person and bringing that person in, in, in many different ways into a maturity. I need to become a mature person in Christ. I need to be strengthened in my faith. That's discipleship. Not just going out and... It's wonderful that you're going out and saturating. I love that. Go out and, but you know what? When a person comes here and says, I just met Jesus, are we going to expect them to just sit there and by osmosis? If I just think about it, they're going to... No. You know what they need? They, they need you. They need you to take care of some giants for them in their life. We are all called... You know, you know, if you look at a police car, it says, it says on it, to protect and what? Protect and serve. You know what? Every one of you should be like a police officer because our job is to protect and serve God's sheep, aren't we? We're to take care of one. We are to take care of one and to make sure that we take a responsibility in this church to protect and serve the sheep that God has given us here. Take care of them. Our third question is, how can we best use our ability where God has placed us? The answer is easy. Make yourself, are you ready for this? Make yourself available. I showed you before earlier. Make yourself available. Do you recall the words of the prophet Isaiah when the Lord says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, I don't know. Bob, you're going to do it? How about you, Elijah? you Fred, you going to do it? No, what did, what did Isaiah say? Here am I. Here am I. Send me. As I mentioned earlier, David told Saul, I'll go. Paul said, I'll go. The apostle said, we'll go. Missionaries around the world say, I'll go. So friends, what about you and I? You ready to go? Are you ready to go? Reportedly, Reportedly, one of the greatest missionary songs of all time, from the, uh, at least in the 20th, the 20th century. Some of you don't remember the 20th century. That we did have it there. Some of you remember it well. The 20th century, the 1900s. There was a song out 
Have you ever heard the song, So Send I You? Raise your hand. Have you heard the song, So Send I You? About five or six of you have. I got it right here. I'm not going to sing it for you because you'll leave. But let me just say a few words of it for you. This is a missionary. This is a missionary song. This is about people who are willing to go out to places they've never been to before. Places that are unknown to them. Places where God has called them. And said, Lord, you want me to go there? I'll go. Listen to the words of the song. So send I you to labor unrewarded, to serve unpaid, unloved, unsought, unknown, to bear rebuke, to suffer scorn and scoffing. So send I you to toil for me alone. So send I you to hearts made hard by hatred, to eyes made blind because they will not see, to spend though it be blood, to spend and spare not. So send I you to taste of Calvary. Put your hand up. Are you willing? Would, would you go? Would you go? Would you? Do you know one of the greatest needs we have in the United States today? We're running out of pastors. We're running out of pastors. There are more churches than our pastors. So they're bringing in old timers like myself because we're running out of pastors. Hear my Lord. Hear my Lord, send me. Hear my. I'll go. Put me in. I'll go. We are to serve as soldiers in Christ's army. Though we don't fight against flesh and blood, yet we, like David, war against giants who seek to devour and destroy those whom have never heard the gospel. The gospel's been veiled to them. Point number two. That was just point one. I got three points. David had assurance of God's ability. Look at verses 46 and 47. Verses 46 and 47 say, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that, they, that, the, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Now, folks, this is based solely and simply upon one thing. When David said that to Saul, there's one thing that motivated him. One thing he was guaranteed of. You know what that is? Faith. It's just simple faith. It is the evidence and the assurance that God is committed to keep his promises, isn't it? A thousand, a thousand years, a thousand years after the time of David, a thousand years because David's time is about 1,000 B.C., somewhere in there, 9-something, 1,000 B.C., about that. But a, somewhere about 1,000 years later, there's this guy by the name of Paul, and he writes this from Ephesians 1-7. In him, in Christ, in him we have 
Keep that in mind. In him we have. And then he says, according, he says a few more, but then, then he goes on to say, according to the riches of his grace. In him we have, according to the riches of his grace. That there is no obstacle that is bigger than the grace of God. So in Christ you have, listen, in Christ you have the riches of his grace. Whatever you're fighting in your life, whatever problem is out there, whatever obstacle this church has to face, whatever it might be, in him you have the riches of his grace. That you know, that you know by faith that it will work out according to God's time, according to God's way, according to God's precept, according to God's word, it'll work out his way. Whatever giant is out there, in him, in him you have, according to the riches of his grace. God is and will continue to be the supplier of your need. David needed courage, God supplied it. David needed calm, God supplied it. David needed a steady hand for war, and God supplied that also. So how did he know that God would meet his need? Because David experienced that over and over and over and over and over again in his life as a shepherd. He's man, he's listen, I went out after wild beasts and I knocked them down. I'm, they, I put a whooping on them. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I, I can do. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That if, if, if it is in the will of God, if it is in the will of God, listen, if it is in the will of God, that if, it is, if, there, is a, if there is a need, if there is a need, if it is necessary, then it is possible. And David knew that. David thought, I can defeat lions, I can defeat bears, and I can defeat this giant. A third point. David's weapon of service is simple obedience. For David, it was his being obedient to take what God had skillfully put in his hand. And for David to obediently place it back in God's hands. Look at verse 49. It says, And David put his hand into his bag and took, it from, a, and took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. David went to battle with three things. Three things. You would never think about going to battle with these three things, but generally you wouldn't. But a stick called a staff, a sling, you know, sling, and a few stones. That's it. And he's zigging and zagging and this and that, and it's running his way up to Goliath, and Goliath over there probably getting dizzy trying to follow this young kid. David's running up to him. And so David, David goes to him, and he takes that sling. And according to experts, I'm not one, but according to experts, 
a sling, several feet long, by the way. It's not just some little sling like this, you know. It was tied to the wrist. It was several feet long. And he would whirl like this. There were pictures. I, I, I saw some pictures of, of stones that they found in the Valley of Elah. There still is a Valley of Elah there in Israel. But even today, you can, there are stones that they, that they have found, smooth stones that are they're called sling stones. And they're about the size of a baseball. So that's not some small little sling that he's got over here. You know, you see pictures of a little thing like this. What are you going to put in a marble? You know, you got if you're going to, if you're going to hurl something the size of a baseball, it's got to be pretty big. Just that thing several feet long, and he, I can see his whole, torquing his whole body as he's going around like this. One hundred miles per hour. That is like having a, a professional baseball player, you know, a, a fastball, four-seam pitcher, standing about 30 feet away from you and hurling one about 100 miles an hour at your forehead. Of course it knocked him down. It would knock anybody down. David kills Goliath. But there yet remains a, 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 whole, a whole future. And this is, this, is the, this is the sum and the substance of the whole story. There remains a whole future ahead of David. And it takes him to a whole new direction. It changes the course, the destiny of his life. Because David is probably thinking up to this time that his job forever is going to be what? Taking care of his daddy's sheep. God says, I got more sheep for you than that, David. Let me tell you something here. Listen, some of you are here today. Some of you are here today. And, and some of you, perhaps, do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You are without Christ in your life. And you think you're, the rest of your life, that, that your whole life is going to be one of just absolute misery and bondage to death, sin, hell, and Satan. That is what you're thinking. That for the rest of my life, I'm in bondage to Satan and sin and hell. And my life is just an absolute mess. I'm going to tell you that God has got a sling going to take care of your giants for you. And the Bible says, the Bible says, not, not the pastor, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he becomes a, or she becomes, or they become a new what? A new creature, a new creation, a new person. You're somebody new. You become new in Jesus Christ. The old has been passed away. Behold, new things have come. Listen, you want a change in direction in your life? You want that change in your life? Are you tired? Are you tired of being held by Satan and, 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 and being held bondage to sin and death and hell itself? I'm telling you, God has got a sling out there to slay your giants. And that sling is the person of Jesus Christ. He is the stone 
He is the stone that the builders have rejected, but God has not rejected. The church has not rejected. Folks, when you're in Christ, there's a new direction. There's a new dimension to your life. You are taken out of, listen, you're taken out of the domain of darkness, and you've been transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. How do you do that? Pastor, how do I do that? I want to make this as simple as I can for you. If you right now, if you in your heart say right now that I am not a Christian, I want to be, I want to be a Christian. I want Jesus Christ into my life. I want to be, I want, to, I want this problem of sin taken away out of my life. I want to belong to God. You need to realize this. Number one, that Jesus Christ is God who came into the flesh. He took your sin upon himself. He took his father's wrath upon himself. He took your place on the cross. He died your death, the death that should be yours. He took that death. The agony, the shame, the horror of that crucifixion, that should all be yours. As he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's how you feel right now. You feel forsaken of God. But I'm going to give you some good news. When you come to the realization that you need Christ in your life, and you're willing to repent of your sin, say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me my sin. Come into my life and change me. Make me a new creation, a new creature in yourself. Do that in my life, Lord. If you do that today, you know what Jesus' response to you is? Welcome into my kingdom. Good, faithful servant. He wants, listen, it's an invitation to you from him. If the Holy Spirit has tugged at your heart and opened your heart up to believe, even though you have fled from him, he has pursued you, he's overtaken you with the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's opened your heart to believe and say, I want to become a Christian. Folks, that we, that we can with the saints and the angels in glory, that we can celebrate that a sinner has come to faith in Jesus Christ. Would you do that today? Would you do that today?